morning. It is a little bit after the hour of noon on Wednesday the eleventh, uh, I believe. I believe today is the eleventh. I don't really pay attention to the dates that much unless I need to for some reason because of not having a job and sort of strange <clears throat> position to be in and have been in for the last couple of months this whole trip out to the state of Maine which was intended to be a place that we would spend some time and it turns out that's not going to be the case which all in all I'm completely happy with the other day I had eaten dinner or late lunch and I was um, really full. I've been trying to eat more recently, trying to gain weight. I did this a couple years ago, a year ago or so, gained weight and climbed up from a hundred and 20-ish pounds to around 130 pounds. And now I'm trying to get up to 140. And I'm more than halfway, halfway of the 10 pounds that I wanted to gain there. I've gained about seven pounds, which is good. But it also means that I am commonly uncomfortable reason I mentioned the eating is because after I ate, I went on a walk and was discussing how it is that people change and, and why do they change. Why do some people change easily? Why do other people not? What, what makes change simple? What makes it a challenge? What goes on with those things? And I was asking myself, who changes easily? And wh why? Why would you change easily? And I was thinking, well, children, children change. I don't even like how I sound right now. Let me see if I can come at this from a different angle. Hmm. Do I like the way that I go about things? Well, that's a really open-ended question. So it needs to be a little bit more specific. That's, that's too difficult to answer. It's a poorly formulated question. Um, do I like the way that I interact with all people all the time? It's a little bit easier to answer. No, I don't. In what situations do you dislike how you interact with people? I predominantly dislike the way that I interact with my wife. I think I interact with other people just fine. There's been an instance, or I don't know what to call it, a, a situation that has arisen in multiple 
instances. It's not a lot because there's an opportunity for it to happen a lot. But when I'm on the phone, <clears throat> I'm talking to maybe the insurance company to try and get things sorted out or a bank or my brothers or whoever, my dad. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes my wife will try and add something into the conversation. Either, oh, remember to ask them what we need to do to get that, that, that form mailed in, or is there a PDF? Can we print it out, or, or do we need to fax it in? Or She's trying to be helpful. I understand that. But I have told her on multiple occasions that it is too dang hard for me to pay attention to her and what the person is saying. Now, that doesn't count, and that can be dismissed if I'm on hold. You know, there's some hold music playing, then ask me all the questions you want, or, or tell me anything you like. But if the person on the other end of the line is, well, Mr. Para, what we see here is that you paid $135 two months ago, and it looks like you actually overpaid, so it looks like you'll have a credit if the person's going on about that. And then my wife goes, well, what about the other month? And ask them, and tell, ask them if what, you know, I, I, I just can't do it. I can't do it. Try and have two completely different conversations, even if it's about the same subject matter, with two different people. Good luck. It's like having a podcast about the Denver Broncos in one ear and the, the Seattle Seahawks in the other ear. I mean, I, 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 maybe I'm just an idiot or I'm bad at parsing out which thing is which, but I can't do that very well. It's too difficult for me. And I've told her this multiple times. And the other day, we were trying to get some things squared away with I was, I was on the phone trying to get something squared away with, with our title here in the state of Maine because, well, long story short, the title got lost by the people at the, the titling office. Either in the mail it got lost or who knows what happened. And so our car is kind of half registered in Maine because they started the process. But then since it, they never got the title, they couldn't finish it up to transfer the title to, to Maine from Washington. And uh, so I was calling some places, the, the city of uh, Augusta, where they handle this, the main office there, trying to get things sorted out and figure out what we can do and what, what steps need to be taken. And my wife was, I'm sure, trying to be helpful and saying some things, but I, I, I couldn't hear what she was saying, nor could I hear what the other person was saying because I, I couldn't pay attention to either of them. And so I, I waved my wife off, just kind of like, stop, please, stop. <clears throat> and she, she paused, and then she did it again. And I just glared at her, and I was like, kind of mouth like, stop, I can't hear you. And I got really upset. I was overly frustrated. And then after the phone call ended, we kind of had... A bit of a battle, my wife and I, 
we had a kind of a back and forth and I was telling her, I've told you so many times, or not so many times, but a few times that I can't pay attention to you. I cannot hear what you're saying. Not only that, but when you start talking, then I can't hear what the other person's saying. I, it, it just, there's, it's completely counterproductive. It is of no assistance to me at all. I have told you, if you need to communicate to me when I'm on the phone, write it down, text me, send it to me and, and so I can read it. Then, then I'm not trying to use my ears. Then I can use my eyes and it's, and it's a different me, means of processing that information. If you write it down, then I can read a few words. Maybe I can pause. Okay. Oh, okay. What are you saying? I can look off to the side, can pause and come back and okay. She's saying, my wife is telling me to ask about the whatever, whatever thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good point. I'll, I will ask you about that. But if she's trying to talk to me, I can't do it. And I, and I was really upset with her. I could have been much worse. Yes. And the way I had described this on my talk the other day, in which I asked, can, can I change? Can somebody change their ways? What I realized is I have gotten moderately good. How can I word this? Let me just finish that statement. I've gotten moderately good at identifying certain uh, behaviors mannerisms, ways of speaking, emotional states that are overly problematic. And the image that came to mind the other day when I was thinking about this is every every interaction that we have, and and I'm going to give you an example here pretty quick, which will help with this. Every interaction that we have, we are presented with options in, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not wording this properly. Every interaction that we have with somebody, whether it be the, the, the police officer that pulls you over, or the girl that's serving you coffee at, at the coffee stand, or the, the ticketing agent at, at the place where you're gonna go and see the, the musical, or the checker at the grocery store, or the 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 person the 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 person that works at the info kiosk at the at the amusement park all of these all of these interactions can be handled in a, an enormous number of ways an enormous number of ways i i would dare say and and I, and I don't think that this is inaccurate all of these situations can be interacted the person on the other the, on the other side they can be interacted, the whole, the whole exchange, that's what I want to say, the whole exchange between you and the other person can happen in an infinite number of ways. And if you don't believe me, well, tell me why, and I'll tell you why you're wrong. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I, the way I can see it is that I'm not. I, I don't see how I could be wrong. And you could say, well, what do you mean? Maybe there's a thousand different ways, or maybe there's a thousand three hundred forty-six ways. Maybe there's two thousand eight hundred twenty-six ways. Maybe at the absolute limit, but there's certainly not five thousand ways. Yeah, there are actually. There are. And if you don't believe me, don't believe me. You're not thinking very hard about this, and I will give you a small example of how you are wrong. Let me let me imagine. Let's say you're going to a hardware store. And this is actually a good good example. This this is not something that is a real life example, but it could be. It very easily could be. 
So you go to the hardware store and all you want is a single nail. So you walk in and you go up to the first person that you see and we're gonna say that guy's name is, uh, let's say his name is Dell. This is, it's me, it's, I'm working at the, at the hardware store. You walk in and you say, hello, I need a nail. Where are the nails? Will you, will you tell me how the, where the nails are? Now, that's a first way. You could come in and you don't have to say hello. You could just say, where are the nails? Okay, that's, t that's the second way. You could come in and say, nails. You could come in and say, I need a nail. You could come in and say, I need a single nail. You could come in and say, I need a brass nail. You could come in and say, I need a steel nail. You could come in and say, I just need a nail. You could say, I need a nail. Will you please show me where it is? Okay, we could just go on and go on and go on. You could come in and you could be wearing sandals. You could come in and you could be wearing shorts. You could come in and you could be wearing absolutely nothing. You could be totally naked. You could come in and you could be wearing a, 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 a clown mas mascot outfit. You could come in and be wearing a clown mascot outfit with a cowboy hat on. You could come in and be wearing a clown mascot with a red nose. You could be coming in with a clown mascot outfit with wearing a red nose with a, with a little smudge on it. You just you, you see what I'm saying? This goes and goes and goes. And now I could answer and say, oh, the nails are over here. I could say, oh, the nails are over here. Let me show you. Oh, the nails are down that way. Oh, and, like, there, that's what I mean by there's an infinite number of ways. There really, are, there really, there really is. Uh, when you're walking down the aisle, you could take 20 steps. You could take 15 extra wide steps. You could do a little jig. You could skip. You could sing a song. You could hum. You could be thinking about what you're going to have for lunch. You could be thinking about what you're going to have for dinner. You could be thinking about if you need to give your dog a bath. These are all different ways to go through that interaction. And the, and the interaction itself doesn't tell you, there isn't a rule book that you're given that explicitly tells you, here's how to go through this interaction. Let me give you a real world example from today. And, and I will tell you that I was presented with multiple options. So here, let me just go through it. Vera and I have a gym membership. We got a gym membership uh, about a week after we got out here. Maybe not even that long. It was shortly after we got here to Maine because we needed something to do. And it's been a, a really good idea that we got that gym membership. Um, we've been working out every other day. We take Saturday and Sunday off, but we go Monday, we go Wednesday, and we go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So we take off Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. Yeah, those days. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, we go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. Anyhow, a few of the times that we've gone there, I'd say maybe a half dozen to ten times, we have practiced a little bit of jujitsu. We've um, there. There are some of these mats. They're not the greatest mats for jujitsu, just because they're not super wide. But they're they work. They're they're better than no mats. I'm I'm not complaining. I'm, if you were to ask me, would you like a wider mat? I'd say yeah, that'd be great. Um, and the first time we did this, we just uh, we put a couple mats together. I think I think we had asked originally the gal that gave us a tour if, if that would be something that we could do and I think she told us yeah that's, that's fine as long as other people aren't using them then of course um, so we'd put two of these mats side by side but they don't have the velcro that some mats do to, to stick together on the bottom side so we stopped doing that and we just use one and yeah it's kind of limited in space but no big deal um, and we've gotten a few different responses to our doing this the first time 
somebody came by and they said, uh, are, are, is everything okay? It was a guy and he was like, we've had some, some other customer, not customers, some other patrons come by and, and they're, they're just a little bit worried. I just want to make sure everything's okay. And yeah, we're, we're fine. We're, we're good. It's not like we're actually fighting here. Said, oh, okay. I just wanted to make sure. Um, well, uh, you're actually kind of pushing out here a little bit. Could you move in? So yeah, this guy was fine and no, no, no worries there. And the next time this, this really timid girl came by and she's like, I, I don't know if you guys can be doing that. And we said, oh, well, we were told by somebody else that we could, which is true. We were told by that, that guy, that original guy, that it's fine if you do this, just, you know, be careful that you're not uh, getting in the way of other people, which I, I didn't think we were, but sure, we'll be extra careful. Sorry about that. No worries. <clears throat> and he even said, if you want, you can move it over into this other area over here. And we said, oh, okay, cool. That that's definitely helps us stay out of the way. And... Um, so that's what we've been doing. We've been pulling off the mats over into this this large open area that is used for group classes like cardio and you know step one and two and three and two more now and three and four and step up and down and go. All right, good job, ladies. That kind of thing. They have those classes in yoga and uh, and a spin class which you get on these these bicycles and you just pedal away. <clears throat> And so we were moving the mats over there, and we told the gal, oh, well, we were told it's, we can. Oh, okay, no worries. And then today, this lady came over, and she she approached us with, I would say, a little bit of an attitude. She was saying, okay, um, so you guys, uh, you can't move these mats over here, and you can't do this. And she just sort of came out the gates swinging. Now, when... She first did that, my, my initial reaction that was presented as an option in my mind, and I really did see this as an option, was to retaliate in like kind. To go, okay, well, we were told that we could do this, give her some likewise attitude back. But another part of me beat out that first offer. So let's say that on offer was being a condescending and rude, attitude-laden jerk. That was one option. Now there's many, many, many options, but we're, we're not going to list them all. That was just one of them. Another option was to go, Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, would you like us to move these back? Which is what I did. I just basically, I, I complete took the complete defensive, not, not defensive. That's not the right word. Just the sort of submissive role. Like what would you like us to do? We, we she came out swinging saying you guys can't do this, uh, I'm pretty sure there's rules against this, there's liability issues, if, if somebody gets hurt, um, you're not supposed to move these mats over here. And I said, our apologies, we didn't mean to break any rules, that, that was not our intention, we'll put it back right now, I, and we won't do this again, sorry about that. And as soon as I took that, that approach, she said, well, no, that's okay, that's okay, um, I'll go and get some more information. You don't have to stop for now, but I just, I just don't know if you can be doing this. So even though she was saying <laughs> you don't have to stop, she was saying she, she, she wasn't really taking a complete stance at that point. It was kind of like, oh, well, I wasn't expecting this guy to be so submissive. Um, now I'm not sure what to do. And so she said, no, 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 go ahead. You keep on going. I'll, I'll just go and get some more information. I said, yeah. Uh, you know, if you want us to stop, we'll put it back. And then she looked over where the mats were and she's like, oh, it looks like some people have already put some other mats over in that area. So maybe it's not that big of a deal. Uh, 
no, no, go ahead. J- just go ahead. That's fine. That's fine. I don't want to take away your, your guys. Um, what did she say? She said something like, I don't want to take away the, the way that you guys, this is clearly the, uh, your, your, your way of doing fitness or something like that. I don't want to take that away from you. So just go ahead and, um, I'll, I'll get back to you. And so Vera and I went for another 10 minutes or so, a couple more five minute rounds. We put the, the mat back, we cleaned it down, we sprayed it off with this disinfectant stuff that they've got to wipe down the gym equipment, which we've always done. We do that before we use it because we don't know who's been on it before us. And then we do it after it because we want it to be clean once we, once we leave it. And then we put it back into position like it was never happened. Not to be sneaky about it, just to put it back the way we found it, to, to, to go about doing that properly. Then we went into the weight room and started working out. And it was maybe... I don't know, 15, 20 minutes later, that same lady came by. She found us and she goes, hey, I'm really sorry about the way I came across earlier. Um, I talked to, I don't know, talked to somebody else and I was, I learned or I was informed that there's really no rule against that. So yeah, I, I just wanted to apologize for the way I came across. Thank you for being so understanding. Um, you guys just have a great day, something like that. And I said, yeah, no problem. Thank you very much. Um, and it was very, very calm and very easy to go about it and very easy to go about it. What am I even saying? It was, it was very, um, cordial. Now, had I taken the more abrasive approach of, well, we were told that we could do this and, uh, I am pretty sure that this is fine and you put up some sort of a defense. If I had been defensive, that probably wouldn't gone nearly as well for me. It almost certainly wouldn't have. When I interact with people, I have found that when you're calling on the phone, getting huffy doesn't help. Now, it's very easy to get huffy because oftentimes when you're calling a bank or someplace when there was an extra charge on your card or or something happened, some sort of mistake or something got lost, like the whole title thing, you want to tell the person, look, we had the title and it was lost and it was here and you, you want to do that because you want to be right and you want them to fix it, but it doesn't help anything. Now, the reason I'm mentioning all of this is because every time you enter in an interaction, you have options of how to go about that interaction. And this is what I was mentioning with my wife is I handled it better than I might have but not as good as I could have. Imagine that when the, the interaction started after she had tried to say whatever it was she did while I was on the phone and after I get off the phone call, imagine there are 10 ways, 10 poor ways to go about that interaction for me to tell her, hey, Vera, it really doesn't help me at all when you try and talk over the person I'm on the phone with. I can't hear you, nor can I hear them. I can't hear either of you. So I don't get anything done. It just makes it a big mess. There's 10 bad ways to go about that. I could say, listen here, you stupid bitch. I'm gonna smash your head through this wall until you learn the lesson that I'm gonna teach you. Okay, that's a really, really bad way to go about that. That's a really bad way. Let's say that's number number 10. Let's say number nine is, 
I can't stand it when you do this stuff. Just yelling at her, but no, no physical threats. Let's say the 10 actually included physical violence. Nine includes threats of physical violence in yelling, and all of it includes yelling. And then eight doesn't include the physical violence, but has maybe a minor threat, but still has calling names. And then seven, and it just gets progressively less as you go down the scale to the point where number one or zero, whatever, would basically be treating her the way I would if I would had just started dating her and wanted to have leave her with the best impression of myself. So in that option, and this is something that I've been doing recently, is thinking, how would I act around her if I didn't, if I wasn't comfortable around her? If I, if I thought that my every interaction could potentially be my last. And, and I usually think about this after the fact, after I screw up, which is not, not the greatest It'd be better if I could do it beforehand, but I, maybe I can't have my cake and eat it too in this situation. But in the example of yesterday when she had spoken to me while I was on the phone, I didn't handle that situation as great as I could have. Now, let's say of the 10 bad options, I was able to see five of them and just didn't take five of those. But I still did take the other five. So of 10, I left aside half of it, but took the other half. It's kind of like a salesman coming up and saying, hey, you're about to go into this interaction with this person. Here are some tools to, that you could use for that interaction. Which one do you want to take? And you go, oh, I'm gonna take all of them. That's the worst option. The best option would actually be go, oh, you're a sneaky back alley crappy salesman that sells me terrible things. I don't want any of your garbage. The trouble is that back alley salesman is really good at selling his junk. He's really, really, really good at it. It's kind of like the, um, the various scam artists. The ones that you can see a mile away, the ones like, oh, please invest most all money to great prince in Nigeria. You send $5,000 check or money order and we make it good investment for you. You can see that one from a mile away and you go, no, that's a really bad, bad option. If you were to equate that to a, an interaction with somebody, that might be physically attacking them. You know, the server brings you the wrong burger. You're supposed to have the, the, the chicken sandwich, that's what you ordered, but they bring out the, the, the eggplant sandwich. Attacking them with your steak knife is the worst option, to, or it's maybe not the worst, but it's a really, really bad option to take. That would be the, the super obvious Nigerian scammer. You can see that one from a mile away. But the one that's a little more insidious is the one that you don't see so clearly. That's the one where you go, um, <coughs> excuse me, I was supposed to have the chicken sandwich, not the, not this, whatever, what, this isn't the chicken sandwich. What is this, what is this? Oh, I'm sorry, sir. And then you just made that person feel bad and you're just being a dick, as opposed to, oh, excuse me, miss. And she goes, yeah. You go, I, I ordered the chicken sandwich. I, is, I don't think this is the chicken sandwich. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry about that. Let me go get that for you. Yeah, this was for the, the other customer over there. Um, let me get that fixed for you. You go, okay, yeah, no worries. Thank you very much. You're being nice. 
it's harder and harder to spot the, I, I guess, the less obvious something is, and this seems so pointless to say, but I'm going to say it anyways, the less obvious something is, the harder it is to spot. But, interestingly enough, the better you get at spotting things, the better you get at spotting things. So if you can spot the Nigerian prince scam from a mile away, and you're a master at that, well then you're maybe be able to, let's say that's on a, on a scale of 1 to 10, that's a 10. Then there's a good chance you'll start being able to stop the number 9 scams. Now. You might not be so good that you're able to spot the one, the two, the three, the four, or even the five scams, but you might catch some of the sixes and maybe a few more of the sevens and certainly a couple eights here and there. But you have to identify and you have to be willing to say, hey, I don't think I went through that interaction as well as I could have with every single one. And you'll feel it. You'll feel it. I don't know if it's a physiological sensation. I'm not sure if, on what level it is that, that we feel these things. But you'll get better at it the more you practice it. On the subject of changing, I was asking myself the other day, how is it that, that children are able to change? Because around certain people they'll act a certain way and other people they'll act a different way. And I was trying to figure out why is that? And I was thinking maybe I think part of it is that children want to they want to make a good impression. There's this this kid that my brother has told me about. And I guess he's not the most well-behaved child in existence. My brother works at a, a school doing custodial and janitorial type work and general maintenance and stuff, I guess. Just kind of a on-site handyman or something. I'm not entirely sure what all of his job duties entail, but this kid uh, apparently will be fairly disruptive in classes and some of the teachers aren't a real big fan of him or maybe none of them are a fan of this kid. He'll get in fights with other kids and I think he's around six or eight, somewhere in, somewhere in that range. Um, I, I guess he's just kind of a snot. And my brother said this kid doesn't do any of that kind of stuff, any of this, this delinquent-like behavior around my brother. So my brother goes, yeah, that kid is kind of a jerk, but he doesn't do any of that kind of thing around me. This kid even dressed up as my brother for Halloween. That's interesting to me because this kid obviously needs some sort of supervision. And it seems to me like he wants that from a male source and i suggested to my brother that 
he, my brother, tell this kid that he could join the, the, like the maintenance ranger club if he, he um, listened to the teachers and didn't, didn't make a stink for, for a full week, but he would have to remain good for the whole time. And that might actually give the kids some, some I, mean, I think kids want challenges like that, especially from somebody older that pays them attention, gives them, gives them some, some guidance. I think, I mean, I can think back to when I was a child and I always wanted to hang out with the teenagers and the older people. I didn't want to hang out with the children because, because children are children. And adults sometimes want to hang out with children because they can be fun, but kids, yeah, you have fun with your 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 peers and you, you it is enjoyable but maybe it's an individual thing i don't know but i've always kind of got the impression that kids enjoy the attention of older adults or or, or people older than them it doesn't even have to be like all that older the the 12 year old could be the the hero of a 6 year old i remember one time working at a hardware store there was these two little brothers and they were probably the younger one was maybe three or four, and the older one was maybe six or so, six or seven, if that, five or somewhere, somewhere around there, a couple years between the two. And the, the real little one, that the, like the just not even exactly a toddler, had taken something off of a peg and was just looking at him. He's still sucking his thumb kind of thing. He doesn't know anything. He was just looking at it, and his older brother, the one that was just barely older than him, a couple years older, got the thing from his little brother and brought it over to me. And it seemed as though he had a little bit of trepidation in doing this. He, he didn't seem to be completely sure of himself. He kind of was eyeing me under his brows. And like, oh, just seemed a little bit timid. And I, he, I held out my hand and he, he put the item in it. And I said, thank you. That was really brave of you. And man, did his face light up when I said, he's like, it was, it was like I had just knighted him or something. It just seemed like it was the, the best moment of his whole day, maybe his whole week. Just, oh, that guy, the adult said that I did it right. He paid attention to me and what the thing that I did there, I did it correctly. Oh, yes, I'm being a proper human being. This is amazing. And I can, I can imagine what that would feel like because I can, I can sort of put myself in that kid's shoes. And I know what that would feel like because I, I, I was once in his shoes to a degree. I was once a child and, and I once had people pay me compliments and like, oh, that was so nice of you. And that was, you were so polite. And I, I wanted that kind of feedback and I, I sought it. I think that's why praise is so beneficial. And so that brings me around to talking about change and how I interact with people and I'm really good at being critical, being being somewhat of a curmudgeon, a bit of a jerk. And so what's difficult for me is paying compliments. My brothers and I were talked about this recently and said how it's almost as though my brain revolts against paying a compliment. It's like I'll see the compliment to say, for example, I'll see my wife and she'll look really pretty. She'll look nice. Like the other day she had put some sort of gold 
eyeshadow on her eyes and I hadn't seen her do that before that I can recall and it looked neat and nice and looked good and I, I could see that and my brain was saying boy she sure looks nice but I couldn't get my mouth to say it without great difficulty I don't know how to describe this but it's like what is it what is it like I can see, I could see it in my mind, and I'm thinking it, and I was verbally, consciously thinking, boy, she sure looks nice. But then to get my, my mouth to form those words was... It's almost like... It's almost like you're driving a car or something. This isn't the greatest analogy, and I can already see that it's not the greatest as I go along with it, but I can't think of something better right now. You're driving a car, and you're in first gear, and it's working, and you're going along. It's, it's working fine. You, you know, you're not going all that fast. And you think, well, I should, I should switch gears. You know, I, I know that I should switch gears. I, I know sh- that I should get up to second gear. Or maybe... And let me, I'll just go ahead and finish it out. And you're thinking, why would I do that? Why would I, why would I go up to second gear if, if first is working just fine? And so you don't. And you just stay in first gear. Or maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit more like... Maybe it's a little more like lifting weights. And you go up to the weight rack and you see that there are 10-pound dumbbells. And you go, oh, okay, I can lift those. And so you start lifting and you're like, yeah, all right, that feels good. That's easy. And you set, set them down. And then you're thinking, why don't you lift the 25-pounders? Those were so, so easy. I mean, you barely even felt it. You can definitely, definitely do the 25-pounders. And you go, yeah, but why would I? And your mind goes, because that will actually be a workout for you? That'll actually help you? Lifting those didn't really do anything for you. And you're like, yeah, but I mean... That would be harder to do. Uh-huh. That's kind of the point here, guy. Yeah, well, I don't want to do the harder thing. Well, you should. Why? Because it'll actually help you. What, why are you here? What, what is your point to being here? Are, are you here at the gym to get stronger? Yeah. Well, then lift the heavier thing. Well, I don't want to. Then it doesn't seem like you're really here to get stronger. Well, I am. Okay, I mean, you can say that, but unless you start lifting heavy, you don't actually want to get stronger. Even that's not the greatest analogy. It seems to have problems with it, but I guess it's a little bit better. It it is kind of like that. It's, I'm bad at it. It's sort of like, it's easier to not do a thing than to do it. And that's true all the time, no matter what. And, I mean, that's just self-evident. It's easier to sit down and not go for a walk than to lift up your body and carry it around for a while. It's easier to lay in bed and sleep in than it is to get up and do something. But, paradoxically... I mean, speaking personally, which is all I can do, I always feel better when I do the more challenging thing every single time. 
Never once can I recall going, boy, I thought to wake up before five and then my alarm went off because I wanted to get up before five, but then I ignored my alarm and just slept in until noon. And I am so glad I did that. Now, there have been times where I'm thinking, I wanna wake up before five, but man, am I sore today. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get up before five because I am really, really sore. And then you wake up at, with the alarm and then it turns out that no, you probably do need to sleep an extra hour because you are so pooped out or you're so tired and so pooped out that you just sleep through your alarm and you wake up an hour later, and what in the heck? Oh my goodness, I guess I really needed that rest. I'm not talking about that kind of a situation. I'm talking about the sort of situation where you just, oh, I don't wanna, I don't, I'm not gonna do it, I'm just gonna sleep in. Or your friends the night before say, hey, uh, you wanna go on a hike with us tomorrow? And you go, yeah, yeah. You know, I'd, that would be totally cool. I'd love to go on a hike. Just let me know tomorrow. And you sleep in and you hear your phone ring and you, you know in the back of your head that it's your friends, but you're thinking, ah, I don't, I don't really want to go. I just I don't really feel like it. And then they talk to you later on that day and they go, oh man, you should have been there. It was such a good hike. The weather was amazing. What happened? And you just go, oh yeah, I, I just slept in. I guess I just, uh, I guess I just didn't hear your phone, and, which is a lie because you think, well, I did hear the phone. I just decided to sleep through it. My point is, when I am faced with paying a compliment to my wife, which is the, the, the one person that I, I interact with the most, I feel so much better when I do it. But I'm so bad at it. I'm so bad at it. Even when the words are coming out of my mouth, they sound hollow and and weak and, and pathetic but why wouldn't they why wouldn't they I'm really bad at it that's like the person that hasn't worked out in 20 years finally goes to the gym at the urging of of their their friend and they go and they're working out and they go oh man I, I could barely lift the five pound weights and the friend goes, yeah, but man, when was the last time you, were, you went to the gym? And like, well, it was 20 years ago. Yeah, okay, so don't feel bad about lifting that. You got to start somewhere. The thing is, when we were children, we relished that. We didn't care that we were bad at everything. We, we wanted to get good at everything. We couldn't speak, and so we tried so dang hard to speak. And people could read to us and we wanted to read and and people were riding bikes and we wanted to ride bikes and people were playing games and we wanted to learn how to play those games but at some point we just go this is fine Th this is enough this is this is good enough i don't want to keep on getting rid of of or i don't want to keep on learning i don't want to keep on struggling to to pick things up which is absurd because that's where we feel the pursuit of a goal is where we feel worth. That's where we feel emboldened. If you've ever been working towards something or you've been, I mean, a better, maybe even a better example or just as good of an example is looking forward to something. You have a trip to go on and you're looking forward to it. 
half of the fun, if not even more of the trip, is the looking forward to the trip. Once you're on the trip, you're like, oh, it's already happened or it's happening right now. And yeah, that's cool. But man, that, that anticipation and the buildup, that was, that was a lot of the fun. You're looking forward to a video game and, oh man, it's going to be so cool. And you're looking at news and it's, and it's, you know, there's a trailer that's released and some leaked this and some, some new screenshot that, and then a little tidbit of the storyline. You're like, oh, it's just wetting your appetite and hype, 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 hype. And it happens and you go, yeah, this is cool, but I think I liked the, the buildup just as much. Guess what I'm trying to say, what I'm getting at is that we need to find ways to be continually enamored with what we suck at and continually find ways to be drawn to those things because it's only going to benefit us. If we pursue only those things that are easy and pose no challenge, then we're not going to get good at stuff. There's a chapter in Jordan Peterson's book. I don't remember which chapter it is, but it says, Pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. And that's exactly what I've been talking about here is go go after those things that are that pose you a challenge. You'll feel better for it. All right. I love you.